This podcast is recommended for a mature audience and contains themes that may offend. Hi, I'm Connie. I grew up in a small town New Zealand. I watched lots of television growing up, documentaries like Who's the Boss, Growing Pains, Kate and Ellie. When I was grown up, I went to the USA for real. These are some of my small stories in a big country, learning about the USA and learning about myself too. Obviously, I visited Canada. America's friendly neighbour to the north, and uh, like New Zealand, a member of the Commonwealth, although it doesn't really mean anything. A person from one Commonwealth country can't just go into another Commonwealth country. It is like the dust of the memory of an empire. Anyway, I got the train from Seattle to Vancouver, BC, because... Because I could, because I like trains, because a lot of people had told me that uh, it was scenically beautiful, which it 100% was. Um, Yeah, so I booked the train from Seattle to Vancouver, BC, and I think it left, it left kind of early. Oh, I don't know, like maybe like 8.30am or something, which I know doesn't sound early, but when you're on vacation, you don't want to get up all early. Trains leaving at 10am are good when you're on vacation. So my friend Falcon drives me to the railway station in Seattle, which was amazing. And I was a little bit country mouse because I was like, wow, this building is amazing. And it had all of this like intricate plaster work on the walls and and everything. And so I li- I line up <clears throat> with my passport in hand. I'm pretty sure that the... Um, Railway people had cute little uniforms as well, like little conductor's hats. It was really darling. Um, And so I flash my passport. I get onto the, um, I don't know, the the platform. Right, the platform. It's called a platform. Think of your Harry Potter, Connie. Think of your Harry Potter. I'm on the platform, and this train is like the biggest train I've ever seen in my life. So we have trains in New Zealand. I have taken the train from the city I live in um, up to where my parents live. It's like an eight-hour train ride. Um, But what I saw with my eyes for the first time was like a double-decker train. And I was having like... like mental logjam, because part of me wants to be like this cool, sophisticated, and not someone who completely loses their like ability to function when they see something really, really big that they weren't expecting. Yeah, it was like a double-decker train. I was like, wow, this is like some fucking unrand level shit. This is a big, big <laughs> train. So anyway, I get on the train. <clears throat> and um I think I had um I think I had some coffee with me uh and I immediately proceed to spill that on the seat next to me just like straight away like I sit down and 2 seconds later I've spilled coffee all over my seat and I'm like the seat next to me and I'm and then I have that like devil and angel on the shoulder moment and the the angel saying Connie you should let the conductor know just so that no one sits on the wet seat. And the devil was like, nobody saw you, can't prove anything. Just full noise Bart Simpson. But because I'm a good person, and I was raised uh, with Christian values, which I have since rejected, 
Not all of them, though. I, like, say to the conductor, I'm like, look, I'm really sorry. I've just, like, spilled coffee. And they were, like, a little bit, like, um, you know, you silly person. But I managed to, like, save myself by saying, hey, but it didn't have any milk in it. It was just black coffee, which, as we all know, um, stinky milk stinks worse than anything. So, um, right, so, and, like, more crucially, uh, I now do not have access to the the life-giving caffeine that I need to sustain myself. So we're driving, uh, driving? What does a train do? Training? Riding? We're riding up the coast, and it's really beautiful, and there's like an observation deck with... Um, like a kind of skylight, glass-curved canopy sitch. And I'm like, where's the dining cart? Because I just need more coffee. So I find the dining cart, and oh, girl. Oh, girl. Oh, a shitty filter coffee. You know what I'm saying? Fucking, ugh. (laughs) I hate filter coffee so much. And it is like the coffee of North America, tragically. It is like the one place where the cultural gears really don't mesh is my, like, extremely hardcore caffeine addiction. Um, so so this is the thing, right, with the different coffee cultures. Like in New Zealand, I will have two or three really fucking strong coffees a day. In the US, I feel like people just drink gallons. Like they just sit on a cup of coffee all day long. I'm like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to make myself go to the toilet that much. I just want a, a strong hit of espresso. Anyway, that certainly was not happening on the train between uh, Seattle and the Vancouver. So I had like a couple of styrofoam cups of fucking Amtrak's best, <laughs> best coffee. I really love travelling by train. I can't tell you, especially because airports are so miserable now, and there's a TSA, and you have to take off your shoes and your belt and. Oh, you know, and the flight and uh, it's all that. But the, the train is great. The train is like so much leg room. Everyone's really relaxed. Security's almost non-existent at the terminal. You just get on, even if you're like going across uh, like a country border. So anyway, we kind of, we come into America. Uh, no, we leave America and come into um, Vancouver and it's all beautiful. I'm looking out the window, I can see the bay and all the trees and it's really interesting. The other really neat thing about train travel is that you get to see like the, you don't see the storefronts, you see the back of the store, if that makes sense, because of where they put the track. So it's this like interesting kind of backyard view of the communities that you're training through. What is the word there? Riding through? Travelling through. Um, so we get to Canada and we all disembark from the train and we've got our wheelie luggages and so we have to go through um, customs, border control, because, you know, we're entering a new country and I'm like, a, not exactly cocky, but I can see the guys and I'm like, like Canadians are way more, this is what I think, which this is what I think. I'm like, Canadian Customs is going to be way more chill. We've both got that fucking German bitch face on our money, Commonwealth brothers in politeness, sisters in colonialism, um, and it'll be fine. So I get to um, my guy who's asking, you know, they ask, they grill you and you give them the passport and the guy, and he's like, what are you doing in Canada? I'm like, I'm visiting friends. How long are you going to be here? I'm like, oh my God, this guy's been really intense. He's been really intense. This is not what I expected. And, and, and my mind is just thinking, look, bozo, which I would never say out loud, but I was thinking, you 
are between me and that fucking Tim Hortons <laughs> one block away that I fucking GPS search so that the minute I'm through there, I'm just going to fly like the Wicked Witch to a Tim Hortons and be like, give me espresso. <laughs> um, and then he says, who are you here to see? Who are you here to see? Um, and so this is a fun thing. Uh, if you're like in the kind of drag community, sometimes you know people's drag names better than you know the name on their passport, their legal name. So he's like, who are you here to see? And I'm, I'm there to see my friend Lloyd, who I'm not going to say their last name because of an anonymity, but I can't think. I'm like, you know, like I haven't had enough coffee. I'm trying to be like top up on this fucking piss week Amtrak badness. And I'm like... I just look at the guy and I say, I'm here to see Darlene, the ambassador's wife. She's a drag queen. Do you know what? That got me into Canada. <laughs> Hallelujah. And thank you, friendly neighbour to the north. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know why they're so grumpy at border control. Actually, like, on the way through, it was really hard as well. Um... But they were like, uh, so I was coming back into America. This is like a couple of, like I was in Canada for like maybe like a couple of days. I wasn't there for a long time. I was coming back through and the guy was like asking me how long I'd been in Canada. And I was like, oh, three nights or whatever it was. And then he asked me what the date was that I had arrived. And I'm like, girl, why are you doing this to me? It's very early. Like... I'm not great at mental arithmetic at the best of times. So I just, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, so I just restated it. I was like, it was like three days ago. Why are you asking me to do mental arithmetic? I don't know. <laughs> I, I need to get back to my friends in Seattle now. Just let me on the train. I'm from New Zealand. Oh my God. <sighs> Fucking border control. I mean, you know, yeah. You know, one one thing that I do for dealing with border control is I just... I dress like a fucking Republican going to the country club because I just really lean into the fact that I can present as a tall, white, cisgendered man to avoid getting harassed. I'm like, trim those nails, take that nail polish off, no crazy jewellery in my ears, definitely no makeup, wearing pants, wearing... Girl, I started wearing the polo shirts to get through the TSA with no hassle. It's a sad indictment about the state of the world in 2020, but, you know, there it is. I don't want to... When I'm travelling in the States, I don't have any rights. I'm, uh, you know, I'm there on the largesse of the... They let people in for a holiday system. So I can't really be um, rocking any boats, you know what I'm saying? I just want to get through, minimum of fuss... I'm not doing anything sketchy. I'm just there to see my friends and eat as much Mexican, Jewish and soul food as I can because none of those cuisines are readily available in New Zealand and they're all fucking delicious. And uh, yeah, so that was my fun little story about um, border control where I could not remember my friend's legal name and said, I'm here to see Darlene, the ambassador's wife. She's a drag queen. Um, I definitely have some Darlene the Ambassador's Wife stories, but therefore, therefore another time. Before I tell the story, I have to give a little bit of context, and apologies if you know this already. Um, so, West Hollywood um, is a neighbourhood in Los Angeles that is real gay. It's the gay neighbourhood. West Hollywood, sometimes abbreviated as W-E-H-O. 
never say way ho. I've been told off for that by residents. Um, I mean, I don't know, maybe say it. Who can say? I'm not from there. <clears throat> so uh, my friend Chaparral lives in West Hollywood. Hi, Chaparral. And um, he was telling me, once, you know, some once upon a time stories about the neighbourhood because, um, you know, he was born and raised. I oh, know, I think he was born on the East Coast and they moved to um, LA when he was like a small child. Anyway, tangenting up the wazoo. Back in the olden days, when there were vice squads, like in the 50s, that would target terrible vices such such as drug addiction, prostitution and homosexuality. Um, if you were of the homosexual, drag queen, sex working variety um, of person, you might like to not be harassed by the police for just getting on with your life. So as the story goes, that um, <clears throat> LA City, kind of the that part of it, um, was a different police jurisdiction from West Hollywood because West Hollywood was part of LA County. So that meant that if you were on the Vice's no-no list, you could go to West Hollywood um, because the county were way less strict about enforcing Vice rules. So that, that's kind of how, that's apparently how uh, West Hollywood <clears throat> attracted the best and the brightest, the creme de la creme of society, the homosexuals, the drug addicts and the prostitutes and cross-dressers. You know, just a few of my closest friends, basically. The people that, I, the people that I've grown up with and love. Um, so yeah, so West Hollywood, totally gay neighbourhood, right? So that is like the first bit of context. The second bit is the, um, other, the other friend, my, my two friends in Los Angeles. Um, my other dear friend Chris uh, lives in Mar Vista, which is... Um, uh, near Culver City, and Culver City is where the old studios used to be, where they made Wizard of Oz <clears throat> and all of that. I think MGM. That a lot of that stuff's moved away from there since to much, 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 much bigger lots. So that's what you need to know. I'm staying in Mar Vista, which is this kind of average neighbourhood near to kind of old the old Hollywood lots, and West Hollywood, which is the gay as fuck neighbourhood. Got that? <laughs> Mar Vista, ordinary neighbourhood, West Hollywood, gay as fuck neighbourhood. Right, so that's the background established. I'm flying into LAX from New Zealand, as is my want. It's a 12-hour flight. It's long. Um, it would not be so bad except that it's like a, a east-west flight, so or west-east flight. You travel east. Right, you're travelling east. So you go across the international date line and as many time zones as you could cross in 12 hours. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you never really sleep that well on the flight, TBH. Um, I mean, I'm not paying for first class. I'm not made of money. So, you know, like I'm back in economy. I usually spring a little extra for like an aisle seat because I'm a tall girl. I need to stretch my legs out. So I always turn up at LAX, kind of a bit worse for wear. <clears throat> and then there's a whole, the whole like, it's actually not that bad. People moan about customs at LAX. It really isn't that bad. It's just like a lot of queuing and a lot of waiting. And because New Zealand is mostly harmless, um, we don't get that, we don't get, it's pretty easy. Like, um, you can get a thing called an ESTA, uh, which is a, not even a visa, it's just an agreement. Um, and 
I get to go through with the American citizens. Merry Christmas, bitches. And there's still a lot of queuing. <clears throat> so you queue and 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 queue. You get your retina scanned by a robot. You put your passport face down. You queue some more. Queue, 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 queue. It's, um, you know, it's kind of exhausting. So finally, I get to the front of the queue to talk to the customs people who will want to take my fingerprints electronically and ask me some questions about the purpose of my visit to make sure that I'm not coming into America to do bad and illegal things, which is totally not the reason I'm there. So this one weird time, this guy, this guy that is like the customs dude, he's a little bit campy, but honestly, I'm like, it's LA. Like, I mean, maybe, I don't know, I can't tell. My gay dad's pretty busted in 2020. And he's like, um, so you're traveling alone? And I'm like, yeah, I'm traveling alone. He's like, where are you staying? And I say, I'm, I'm staying in Mar Vista. And then he says, oh, Mar Vista, not West Hollywood? So I say no. And he's like, okay, welcome to America. Have a good day. And I go out to get my um, luggage off the carousel. Dear reader, dear listener, what what was that? Did I just get like homosexually profiled, have some shade thrown at me, and possibly was he trying to pick me up? Oh, it was conf- girl, I was I was confused, confusing. It was confusing after a twelve hour flight. Flight. Oh, Maravista, he says like it's like the fucking asshole of the universe, not West Hollywood, because obviously I'm a big fucking queen. I mean, I was I wanted to go back and be like, look, I've got friends in West Hollywood. You don't know me. You don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that will get you ejected from America quicker than you can say all of the customs people carry uh, machine guns. So I did not do that. No, I just took my confused little self to the luggage carousel to get my luggage. This is a story about just how gay West Hollywood is. The first time I went there was with my friend um, Pretzel, and we were driving to West Hollywood to visit our friend. Um, and on the way, he spots a Fred Seagal store. Fred Siegel? Does Siegel rhyme with Kegels, or does it, is it Seagal? I don't know. Message me on Twitter. Um, yeah, it's, he's like, you have to, you, like, I have to show you this. It's this like, ritzy clothing store. You won't believe it. Um, so my friend Pretzel, uh, he's kind of my, like, gateway to the USA. He, um, lived in New Zealand for a long time, and then, um, we went to America together, and it was good times. Good times. Anyway, so he's, like, my tour guide <clears throat> this time around, and I go into, um, the Fred Seagal, I'm gonna say Seagal, the Fred Seagal store, and it was real gay. It was real gay, you know what I'm saying? Real gay. Like... Those all of the guys there looked like they had a gym membership that they were really like possibly the gym was losing money off them because they were like wearing the treadmills and the weight machines out. And everything was arranged in this beautiful, gay pleasing way. It's a clothing store, right? So it's kind of uh, accessories and shirts. And shit was expensive. Now, I have a theory uh, of economic. Um, economic realities, so we all occupy a different economic reality. And so what's expensive to me might not be expensive to you, um, and what's uh, expensive to you might not be expensive to me. It just kind of depends on where you are and kind of salary bands and what people get used to. So I don't, I'm not even going to say the prices. <laughs> just believe me when I tell you. 
<laughs> oh girl, these t-shirts were expensive. I was, my wallet was not coming out of my pocket. <clears throat> but then one of the sales assistants comes up to me and says, you know, is everything, oh, hi, is everything okay? Can I help you with anything? Um, and I thought to myself, I wonder if this will work. So I said, yeah, I'm a little thirsty. And you know what happened? He went and got me a little tiny bottle of spring water. God bless you, Fred Seagal. I'm like, this is some gay shit. So anyway, I think maybe I did buy a t-shirt for a friend. Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> Why do I feel so ashamed of that? It must be my Scots ancestry. I don't know. Um... Oh, because it's ridiculous. That's why, because it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like, you know, and I know that all the t shirts in the world are made with like the cheapest possible labor. And so when you pay crazy money for a t shirt, you're not paying for the product, you're paying for something else. And I don't, I have got enough self esteem to not need to buy that something else. Do you know what I'm saying? Sometimes when I look at crazy price stuff, I'm like, look, I've got too much self esteem to buy that. Too much self esteem to buy that. Um, but yeah, I did buy something. Didn't, and so we like drive to um, uh, our friend's place in West Hollywood and I'm like there are these like muscle guys driving around in these like fucking bright red Maseratis that are probably worth more than houses back in New Zealand and yeah it's just like so gay and then like later on we go into um, like a frozen yogurt place and dear listener they had a little pump and you know what come out of that pump? Sugar-free, fat-free, fudge sauce. Hot fudge sauce. Like, we all know they're going to give you cancer, but in the short term, you can stay on your keto and get you some sugar-free frozen yogurt. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. Gay. Um, and like another time uh, we were walking around and my friend was telling me kind of the history of the place and it's kind of sadly, it seems like I have rocked up to West Hollywood just at the beginning of gentrification. Do you like how I got the word fuck in there? Gentrification? Yeah, it's been gentrified. Um, yeah, and he was kind of pointing out, you know, kind of old gay institutions, bookshops and restaurants, and um, they were being bought up by developers and being turned into like, like little rinky-dinky um, apartments and, you know, that kind of... That, that old, charming, slightly smells like amyl, wet dog and bleach, gay culture is being um, yeah moved on, but it's happening everywhere in the world. It's happening everywhere in the world. There's a really great song called um, What Happened to Soho, which um, I highly recommend that you find on Spotify and listen to it, because it speaks, it speaks to that. I'm aware that I'm part of the problem. I am part of the problem. You know, I'm like, got this like bougie software engineering job. I can afford to go to America heaps, tell you all the stories about it. 100% I'm part of the problem. Eh, what you gonna do? Taxation, death, and one other thing are unavoidable. What is that? Death and taxes. Oh, maybe those are just the two things. Death and taxes. Um, I did some uh, looking at the comparative tax rates between New Zealand and America, and I found out that when you add federal and state tax in progressive states, such as um, California, um, Washington, or Oregon, it is actually about the same as what we get taxed in New Zealand, 
although Oregon doesn't have sales tax. Yes, God, hallelujah. If you're going to do some shopping on the West Coast, save that shit up for Oregon because they don't got no sales tax. <laughs> um, the other thing that New Zealand uh, taxes quite like quite a lot, and it's kind of invisible, is um, p- petrol, gasoline, diesel, and also alcohol. Um, yeah, there are like these like levies or levies. Maybe they call them levies. Uh, so I think if you go to a petrol pump in New Zealand and put like five dollars uh, gas in your car, two dollars fifty of that is uh, the tax. Um, if you have been to New Zealand and seen the state of big air quotes state highway one, you will understand why we need to tax driving. Oh my god, the roads here need so much work. Oh, it breaks my heart, curl it breaks my heart. <laughs> I drive this like little Audi and I can tell that that car hungers for Das Autobahn and I'm like, look, it's State Highway 1 Audi, just calm down. It's like one lane each way, no central barrier, no passing lanes. We just have to go fucking 80 kilometres an hour, which is about 45 miles per hour, behind this cattle truck with like faeces and piss spraying out the back of it because that is life in a largely agricultural economy. R.I.P. Anyway, so I go to North America and, um, I, you know, like people have been so kind and generous to me. Like, let it never be said that Americans are an unfriendly or stingy people. Hell no, they're not. Plus, I've got the sexy accent. Oh, they're like putty in my hands. <laughs> I just say fish and chips and one, two, three, four, five, six. And people want to buy me drinks and drive me places. And so consequently, I like to, you know, buy them some drinks and you know, they say cash, it doesn't really work with a New Zealand accent, cash, grass or ass, or as we would say in New Zealand, cash, grass or ass. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm only really ever up for cash. I don't, I don't smoke no marijuana no more. And um, my ass is my special area. It's my precious garden and only people, it's just like not for everyone, you know what I'm saying? So I'm, at, I'm uh, driving with my friend uh, and I'm like, oh, we pull into a gas station. I'm like, look, I'll pay. In fact, this happens a lot. Like I'm like, let me fill your car up with gas to say thank you for this lovely afternoon or whatever we've had. Um, fun fact, uh, petrol pumps are really different in different countries. So that was like a whole fascinating thing. I'm like, oh, weird. It's like significantly different. The ones in New Zealand are kind of like putting a finger up an anus, whereas the one in the States are more like like clipping a vacuum hose onto a vacuum cleaner. Yeah. Um, and so I, I fill the car up with gas and go to pay for it, and it's like like $30 or something for a full, I'm like, a full tank. I'm like, wait, what? What the heck? And then the same thing will be at bars. I'll be like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll get the next round, and I'll go and like buy the round, you know, all this fucking top-shelf alcohol. And... um non-alcoholic mocktails for me because um, Jesus is my chaser. Yeah. Uh, And it's like, you know, $15. I'm like, what is going on here? I mean, even if you double that amount for like an exchange rate, that's like $30 for a round of drinks and like $60 for a tank of gas. And I'm like, why is this stuff so cheap? And also I feel like a bit of a cheapskate as well because in New Zealand, like buying rounds of drinks and filling... Uh, cars up with gas is this like enormous uh, gesture of generosity and in the States I mean it's generous but it's like not you know it's not so extra Um, and so I finally figure out yeah the stuff's just not taxed 
there's like really low taxes or, or negligible or non-existent tax on um, alcohol and gasoline in the USA, which was fascinating to me. Do you know what else is fascinating? In Oregon, you are not allowed to pump your own gasoline. There's no self-service in Oregon. You have to like let them do it for you, which I actually secretly love. I detest self-service. I hate it. I'm like, no, no. I do so many... I am single. I've been single for a long time. I do everything for myself. If there is a chance that someone, I can pay someone to do a thing for me, I will pay them to do the thing for me. I don't, I want them to check, you know, pack my grocery bags, pump my gas. I'm all about it. I'll pay extra for it. So if you're into that life, Oregon is for you because for some reason, it's illegal to pump your own gas in Oregon. There are significant cultural differences between the way people in California, Oregon and Washington State drive and the way that people in New Zealand drive, particularly from a pedestrian perspective. So um, if you're a pedestrian in New Zealand, you have to see the whites of the eyes of the driver that the car is slow to a complete stop before you step out in front of them. Otherwise, you'll just get whacked by a car. My late grandfather, may he rest in peace, um, he got smacked by a car on a pedestrian crossing when we were growing up. Someone just came around the corner and fucking ran him over. He didn't die from that. He was, you know, injured and had to go to hospital for a bit and he recovered. Um, You know, like uh, if you're uh, in Wellington or Auckland City, you know that you have to be real careful when you're crossing the road, even when... You've got the green light to cross. You need to just make sure that those people are not taking that free left turn over you and run over you on the free left turn. It is very real. And so, like, as a result, as an adult, I am a very, like, what I would call defensive pedestrian. So if I'm going to cross the road, um, even if it's at a pedestrian crossing, even at a controlled pedestrian crossing with the green, the green man, uh, indicating that I can cross, I don't put a foot on off the footpath onto the road until I see the car is slowing to a stop. Like, because otherwise, I'll just get fucking run over. And the consequences for kind of running people over in New Zealand, um, uh, zero. There's really no consequences. Like, because... It's an un- I think it's an unintended effect of our ACC system. So in New Zealand, we have this um, uh, global uh, injury insurance called ACC, which stands for the Accident Compensation Corporation. Um, everyone pays into it compulsorily. Compo- it's a compulsory... Com- I don't know how to say that word. I don't know how to... Compo- is this a- payments are taken out of our paycheck by the government to fund this um, uh, ACC system, which is generally great. If you have an accident in New Zealand, you don't have to sue anyone. In fact, we can't sue anyone. That's the deal. We've got ACC, so we can't sue people for injuries. So if I get injured, um, I'm covered by ACC. They'll pay, if I can't work, they'll pay um, 80% of my earnings and pay for whatever rehabilitation I need to get back on my feet. That's great. However, the downside of this is um, the person doing the injuring like generally doesn't face that much of a consequence. <clears throat> and even if you do find a way to sue someone in New Zealand, the damages payouts, they're never more than $50,000, which admittedly is a lot of money, but it's not, I mean, for some people, 
that wouldn't bankrupt them. If I had to pay $50,000, yeah, I'd be fucked, actually. <laughs> but it's not like the millions of dollars um, horror show that um, can happen with a personal uh, injury lawsuit in North America. So anyway, that, that's just some context. So I turn up um, in LA and... I really don't cross the road ever because no one no one walks in Los Angeles. It's just true. Everyone drives everywhere. <sighs> Most times I'm like, but I, I can walk places. And I walk, you know, like in the first couple of days, I'm like, oh, I'll just walk to the thing. I walk and then I realise, oh, my God, the city is so big. The thing is so far away. It looked kind of close on Google Maps, but oh, I've been walking for like fucking 45 minutes in the desert heat because Los Angeles is a motherfucking desert. You can, like, have sprinkler systems in and have a little green lawn, which, by the way, is a shocking waste of water and no one should be doing that, and pretend. But the reality is when you're trudging around, you might as well be walking in the desert. It's real uncomfortable. Plus, half the streets don't have sidewalks anyway, so you're kind of – it's all weird. It's all weird. It's just, like, no one walks in Los Angeles, and there are, like, excellent reasons for that. But um, up in Portland, Oregon, yeah, totally I'm walking around, staying in the Broadway district, you know, on southeast Schuyler. I love saying it like that, Schuyler. I love to, like, walk down Broadway and see my, like, um, so it's a historically black neighbourhood which has a lot of gays living there now, and now it's been gentrified. Gays are like the harbinger of gentrification. If you're, like, in a historically anything neighbourhood and gays start to move in, it's trouble. It's like it's like termites. Do you know what I mean? It's like, fuck, first come the gays, then come the Karens. And your neighbourhood will be gentrified and they will put in an expensive organic supermarket. <laughs> and it'll be easier to get kombucha than Coca-Cola. And uh, yeah, it, it's like life-alteringly bad. So I think this district is kind of in the process of being gentrified. Historically black neighbourhood, heaps of gays seem to be there now. I don't think it's a gay neighbourhood by any stretch of the imagination. It's Portland, you know? It's Portland. Um, so I'm walking around and uh, I go to cross the road and because of, you know, my defensive, uh, my defensive walking from New Zealand, I wait for this guy in like a Chevy pickup to stop and he beeps at me. And I'm like, why is this asshole beeping at me? And then I realise he's beeping at me because of course he's going to stop this is Portland, why are you not crossing the road already? My mind was blown. My mind was blown. And I'm like, whoa, what is this? People are so like, polite and respectful. And you can cross the road and not fear for your life. In fact, I started to notice that uh, my friends in both Portland and San Francisco, but less so in Los Angeles because no one walks in LA, so I've really got no basis for comparison, often would just cross the road without really looking the way that I would look, including um, across off-ramps. So uh, I've got a friend who lives in um, Oakland um, near the first BART stop. So he's real close to um, all of those freeway exits that come across the harbour. And we were going to the BART and he just like walks across the road. I'm like, shit girl, that's like 500 metres from a fucking freeway exit. Like I'm like peak New Zealand, um, <laughs> like DEFCON 5 full alert for cars running me over. But my friends are obviously so used to cars stopping and not fucking running them over until they're dead that they have a real different relationship to it. So like, just let me restate for my New Zealand listeners, I was slow crossing the road and the car beeped at me because they were annoyed that I wasn't just crossing the road because of course they would stop. It's amazing. It's so relaxing. 
And then when I come back to New Zealand, I'm really pissy because, you know, people taking that free left turn. You know what I'm talking about? The free left turn when you've got the green man and they're creeping forward and creeping forward. I'm like, motherfucker, can you not? I'm, I'm, God damn it. But I actually found out later that there was kind of a dark, darker reason for this behavior. When I was talking to my friend um, in LA, um, because I noticed that the Los Angeles drivers are really um, what I thought was courteous as well, because you even think about approaching the curb and cars one block back will stop. <laughs> and they will stop and they will not approach you. They will not creep forward. They will stay stopped until you are off the road and then they'll go. And I'm like, Chris, wow, everyone's so respectful. And she's like, yeah, kind of respectful. But also in the state of California, we have this thing on our um, uh, statute called Statu- uh, vehicular manslaughter. Vehicular manslaughter. So I was like, oh. So there's like two things going on here. One is, if you like run into someone in the States, every bus stop has got the phone number of some ambulance chasing lawyer who you will not pay if you don't win. And you can stick on a neck brace and go and sue them and get your money. Um, And if you kill someone, you can be done for manslaughter. So... I mean, maybe they've been courteous or maybe they're scared. <laughs> maybe when I start to approach the curb, the average North American driver is doing this kind of like liability calculus and they're like, we do not want to hit into that queen. We do not want to hit into that queen because we could get done for personal injury and worse, if somehow she did, I could go to jail for manslaughter. A little, uh... <laughs> Yeah, it's just fascinating. It's fascinating to me. Fascinating. Honestly, when I'm in North America, I feel like Jane Goodall. I'm like, wow. It's like um, ambulance chasing lawyers in the mist. The podcast you have been listening to has concluded. Remember to subscribe to be notified of new episodes. <laughs>